Boys and girls, welcome back. We are joined today by Mr. Josh McHale. How are you doing, Josh? I'm good, thank you. Good to see you, man. Um, so today we are going to go through the uh, the story of unicorns and, and dragons, the magical peak week. Um, as Josh has been pretty successful for a, a long period of time here, um, and I think it's something that needs to be brought to the forefront when it comes to like what a peak week actually entails. Although, like, there is a better general consensus of what goes on, I still think a lot of people, uh, like, do stupid shit <laughs> to put it. So, um, yeah, let's let's dive straight into it. Um, Alex, how are you keeping man? You're good. Oh, You're good. Yeah, man, I'm. I am all good. We uh, we've resolved, by the way. We've resolved my GI issues, which is uh, I've not had any GI stress for fucking weeks, which is good. Um. But yeah, the magical realm of peak weeks. Um, so, Josh, what what is a peak week? Uh, how would you how would you define that? A peak week is when you just well, essentially you're just trying to refine what you've got. I think the, the the key with peak weeks is you need to be ready. Like you, you know, you, if you're not ready, there's no point fucking around with much. To be fair, so we're gonna when I talk about peak week, I'm gonna assume that this person is ready and good to go you know the where they need to be um for me the most part is just backing off everything you know you're reducing fatigue you're reducing stress you, you know you're reducing training volume intensity you're taking someone's calories back to maintenance if they're not there already so you need a good idea of where that is um and then again it's person dependent you know are we talking about bikini girls are we talking about bodybuilders are we talking about physique guys you know and um and the different requirements they all have for a peak week. Because obviously a bikini girl is not going to need a carb load to the extent of a hundred kilo bodybuilder. <laughs> and if, if they did, there's something definitely wrong. <laughs> yes, there's something very wrong. Although I have heard a lot of bikini girls using ridiculous amount of carbs in a peak week when they probably yeah. don't want it. Fair. That seems to be a common trend at the moment with um, people hugely over dieting and then trying to too aggressively fill up, um, which kind of is should not be necessary in some respects. No, I mean another thing as well is if if you are going into peak week like super fatigued and over dieted, then it can be hard to actually fill up anyway. Mm. It can be hard to get you, your body to do what it wants to do or, or should be doing. Um, so again, that comes back to being ready. Like to some extent, you want to be you know, reducing stress even like before peak week, um, if you are where you need to be. There's going to be some cases where, you know, people are not going to be ready. You're still going to be chasing fat loss to some extent up to, you know, the middle of peak week. Um, but that's not a position you really want to be in. No. I think for me, especially for my guys, like I always say to them, let's be ready early and, and, and then we can just hold you at maintenance and just run you through. Um, and I think that's the easiest way that you can already approach it is that rather than trying to fucking chase your tail, if you just put the work in early, start maybe start prep a little bit early, then you kind of will get that benefit um, of having a little bit of a nicer running rather than being bust into the fucking ground and having literally no energy in order to do anything and just literally just dragging your feet along the floor. Yeah, I think like another, like you just said there, I think the, the general approach that I like to do with clients is 
you know, come out the gate fast, get a lot of work done at the start of prep. Um, and I think like the, the thought of a long prep scares people, but it's actually probably a lot easier to manage. Mm. So, you know, you're allowing for diet breaks, periods of maintenance, calories. You've got a lot more room to play with. Like I would much rather someone diet for 28 weeks than, than 18, mm. you know, depending on how much fat they've got to come off. Um, Cause that's, that's um, a big factor as well. Mm. You know, is that person natty or the assisted? Can we use tools to, to get fat moving quicker without risking, you know, muscle loss and all those kind of things as well. Is there a particular area or a amount of fat that you'd like someone to start prep in? Is there like an optimal amount or does it not really matter in terms of body composition? You just extend that timeline. So if, again, if, 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 I've, if I've worked with a client before and I've run a prep with them before, we've got enough data to kind of know where the rough stage weight is going to be. Um, you know, it may be different for guys if we've put on a, a fair bit of stage weight in the off season, but for females, for example, like we, we've got a rough idea, you know, they're not going to be slapping 10 pounds of tissue on between show to show. So, um, you know, we know how much weight it's got to come off. So if someone's like 20 kilos above stage weight, and, and again, because some people struggle to stay, you know, within that sub 10K range um, of stage weight, particularly females, like whether that's from a health perspective or like they just struggle to, to, to reverse diet and, you know, adhere to that. So if someone's got 20 kilos off, I definitely want to be looking at like a 28 week prep. Um, so it's person dependent. I've got all kinds of clients that will sit 20 kilos of stage weight, 15 and 10 kilos. Um, and it's just allowing enough time there based on that person. I think the maximum I got up to was 30 kilos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for guys, it's a little bit different. Like I pulled what? I pulled nearly 60 and 50, 50 pounds off last mm. You know, and for my height, that's quite a lot of weight to pull off. Yeah, uh, similar, around 23 kilos, 24. Yeah, so, and again, but I mean, we're assisted guys. We can use things like Claire, we've got thyroid to play with, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that will help that. Um, and then mentally, how hard someone can dig as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'll each eat shit. If I need to eat shit, it's just one of them things. Um, I think that's another one of them, isn't it? It's like that. We, I know we've touched on this previously before on this podcast, is that mental ability to dig in and go to a place that you've never been to before. I was definitely having this conversation with one of my clients the other day, and he was like, I just don't think I'll be good enough. I was like, but if you look at where you were at and how much we've done compared to when you were last on the stage, like it's comparatively different and like the package you're bringing is comparatively different. But that's because he's had to go to that place to go and push in to bring that level of condition yeah. and some people just aren't fucking willing to do it and they're snowflakes yeah yeah 100 <laughs> percent. This, this sport's not for everyone and, and that's fine do you know what i mean there's nothing wrong with that yeah. but you need to admit that to yourself you have to have a lot of self-awareness um you know about yourself and how capable you are of actually following a prep through and how well you can handle the post show as well yeah because that, I think a lot of people forget like that, that has a massive impact on your next prep, your off season and when you want to go again. Like if someone's like really, really fucked up the reverse and, you know, they've put a hell of a lot of weight on, you know, we're not going to be dieting in six months time again, no chance. Yeah, like that's, that's something I've been through as well. Like my first time competing, I think five years ago, like a coach myself, post-show was a shit show and like it just takes away from that next phase so that's what I was kind of reiterating the whole time during that post-show period it's like 
you're not just thinking about now. It's like you're trying to clear that runway for the next growth phase. There's no point in coming off stage saying, oh, I want to put on like 15 kilo for next time. Mm. And then like trying to put it all on way too soon. Like it is going to be a process. Um, and I just think like budgeting enough time for that is it just you have to be in a good place to go ahead with that next phase. Like you shouldn't need to diet. I throw numbers out there and say within four to six months post-show. Like not even a mini cushion should be necessary. No, no. No, and again, uh, from a natural, uh, you know, natural competitor, especially a female, like hormonally, like there is no chance on earth I'm going to be putting them back in a deficit within the space of six months, really. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they've just got to ride that out. You know, you, you fuck your reverse up, deal with it. Because from a health perspective, hormonally, you need to sit a higher body fat for a bit longer until things start to regulate. And again, person dependent, that can take a different amount of time. But if what what will happen, you put them in a deficit in within that space of time, and those things won't happen. This body won't be as responsive. Uh, the food focus will still probably be there to some extent. So yeah, it's it's usually like the fluctuations that create the the biggest issue. Um, and we could even say the same thing like when it comes to a gaining phase. Like it's not just about your weekly calories, like. At the start as a beginner, yeah, that's probably a, a decent metric, but your ability to digest food, to regulate energy, to sleep, like that's going to be down to like the finer details and how replicable your days are day to day. Yeah. And yeah, those fluctuations going from mini court to gaming phase and all this in a post-show period is it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah, then realistically, how much are you going to improve if you're spending a hell of a lot of time gaining fat quickly? And dieting, you you know, you, you if you gain twenty kilos in the space of like a few months, then you, how much of that is muscle? Yeah, that's it. We're laying it back to you, like the amount of time spent to indicate the progress that you've made is a good indication. So, like with clients, I've, I've had someone come on initial kind of like tidy up phase, got him into a gainer phase, and it was like, oh, I want to do a photo shoot prep. And this is someone who's done a photo shoot prep like last year, and I'm like. You've only spent like two months in a gain of phase, like two and a half months, like as a natural, you're not going to look much different in this. Um, maybe a little bit leaner, but like if your goal is to be a bodybuilder, and this is what me and Alex were talking about just before we came on, it's like your focus should be on the building. Like there's a dichotomy people associate bodybuilding with dieting. Um, well, this is what I would say: you're either but you're either a bodybuilder or you're a serial dieter, and that hmm. that's it. Some people just use bodybuilding as a way to force themselves to get lean. And they're usually people that don't have very good eating habits, you know, the struggle post show, and they're kind of just in an extended binge and restrict cycle. That's all that is. Yeah. Um, I think we've, we've um, gone off topic about P weeks here, but. <laughs> I was about to come back, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, going back to Pete weeks. Um, so, Josh, is there, so when we were talking earlier, it was like, you like to get the majority of the work done at the at the beginning, right? Yeah. So the way I like to think about that is calories are super fucking high. Let's increase expenditure and get expenditure super high. And then as that comes, uh, as as we as calories start coming down, we can titrate that down and we can also pull down cardio along with it, right? Yeah, so pretty much what I like to do with clients is back end of prep, cardio comes out. We, we use more NEAT as a way to improve energy expenditure. You know, cardio is heavily dependent on glycogen and, you know, all the added systemic stress that comes with cardio. So deep end, back end of a prep, you're fucked, you sleep shit, 
throw loads of cardio into the mix. Not a good, good, uh, you know, it's not a good mix. It's recipe for disaster. So less stress, less strenuous ways of increasing output steps, you know, dropping food. Um, so like I said, I'd, I'd prefer to use more cardio at the beginning, beginning when you're fresh systemically, if you're tired, you've got the, um, the energy there to do so. Um, and then we're tapering that off as we get to the back end of prep. All right, what's that? How does that vary with your approach? Is it similar? Or not? Does that vary with your approach, or is it similar? Um, yeah, like it's actually nice to hear this being said. Like probably something that like I've done subconsciously, just because it kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, like do the difficult shit when you're able to do it. There's no point like trying to coast through the first part of it and then like, oh shit, we're behind schedule. I'm also fucked. Now I have to try and do a lot of hit or fucking stair master. You know what I mean? It's like. Easier to do that shit when you're fresh. So do it when you're fresh. Yeah, I think there's that whole thing of people going, oh, we need to keep tools in the box. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even things like people are reluctant to use, like, clen at the start of a prep. I'm like, well, there's no down regulation, so why are we waiting? Let's, let's get it in there. Let's, let's, let's utilise that now. Duration of exposure, like, it doesn't get any less effective. So um, what would you wait to, to put it in later? Makes no sense. Um but yeah, I think this is that old, just the, the um, you know, things that have been so so embedded in people's minds for so long now uh, and the way people used, used to approach, you know, preps and stuff like that. It's kind of trying to undo that and explain why why that doesn't really make much sense now. I think, um, I think it's because a lot of people want to wait to, uh, to drop the hammer. <laughs> they don't want to in. Drop that shit from day one. <laughs> I just go all in. <laughs> yeah too right you can get a lot of work done at the start of a prep when you're fresh yeah who doesn't want to be in a position where food's going up in the last few weeks of prep like that's so beneficial like especially I've had a lot of females in that position where we're actually upping food quite a lot into into peak week and then that then makes that post-show period much easier because there's less food focus there's less fatigue you know who doesn't want to be in that position yeah, we do have like um target weights or or um body fat percentages like within a given time frame. So let's say you have someone, as you mentioned, maybe 20 kilo to come off, you want to do a 28 week prep. Would you have like say, right, we need to get the first 12 kilos off in the first 12 weeks? Would you kind of set objective targets with them or would you just say keep it to yourself? Well, <laughs> Yeah, I don't really like to give people weights for, for a few reasons. One, because they get super focused on that. Oh, shit, I've not hit that one kilo target this week. So, you know, we're looking at the average of average weight loss over that complete prep. So, you know, if I want someone ready two weeks early, I know we've got to have 20 kilos off in 26 weeks, which is easily done. Um, So I, t- I tend to keep that for me. <clears throat> I don't like to give people weights because they, they get too caught up on it. Um, another thing as well is I like to use like happy scale with people as well. Um, I think that's a good metric to use because people get too caught up on fluctuations. You know yourself, if you check in like at the start prep, you know, once a week with someone and that checking day lands on a fluctuation where it's, it, it's increased quite a lot. For one, that's no good to us because we're thinking, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, that throws them off. But if we've got the, the full week worth of, of average weight, we know that average is still coming down and, you know, that's fine. So when it comes to actually peak week and peaking somebody in, in terms of giving them a load, how would you decide how much 
food to give them in terms of carb or fats? So again, in an ideal world, they're ready and we're, we're able to test that peak. Particularly for bodybuilders, this, and like this is probably where things vary between um, different people like bikini girls, for example, and bodybuilders. So that ideally you want to be testing that stuff um, prior to the actual show day. Um, and then you've got the data to use then going forward, you know, roughly because someone may be a little bit leaner then by the time show day comes, they might need a little bit more, um, so on and so forth. But you've got a good idea there. Or if you've run like, you know, you've got a good idea of where maintenance is going into peak week, um, you know, you've got some data there to, to find out or to know how many carbs they need. Say roughly like, I don't know, it's a 100 kilo guy. Um, you might need like 50, 1,500 grams of carbs to get full. But again, how how fatigued is that person that's going to impact that? Um, just the inter-individuality inter people, like some people will just soak up carbs for fun, so they might need more. So again, testing, 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 that's the best thing to do. Yeah. I, I agree with that in terms of like the ability to test. Because you kind of like, and that's one of the reasons why you need to be early, right? So if you if you don't have that ability to test, you kind of run into show and then you kind of fuck it up. <laughs> um, well, not only that, what I like to do with people um, is get them doing a few shows, whether that's back-to-back -back, you know, or a couple of weeks apart. Most of the guys that have had this latter end of the season, we've, we've had a few shows to go at and that in itself has been the test. Um, if someone's peeled, it's really hard to fuck up, I think. Uh, so you you can just start to improve that. You know, like Ify, like he's, James's preps, we just mm -hmm. kind of got better and better as each show's gone on because we've just got that data from each each show previously. Yeah, you looked absolutely fucking nuts on stage. Yeah. James, he looks like insane. Yeah. Um, in terms of peaking boys or girls, which, which do you prefer and how does it vary? I think there's a lot more, I think it's a lot more difficult to peak guys that are heavily muscled. That's a lot of a different, it's a completely different story to peaking, you know, like a, a 55, 50 kilo bikini girl. So again, the way that I, I'll peak girls is I won't really do much in peak week. It'll just be a case of titrating food up over that week, dropping off output, um, looking at them day to day, you know, small bumps in food rather than, you know, a guy where you might do two days of loading. You've got the day of drying off and then you've got show day. Um, and again, that day of drying off or that buffer day, you can play around with things a little bit more where someone's still a bit flat. You know, you've got the ability to throw a load more carbs in the morning and then you can start to pull out the water, the sodium in the afternoon and drop back to protein and fat. Um, ready ready for show day the next day. So how would it vary for you? Um, let's say we're, again, dealing with like a heavily muscled dude uh, based off stage time, if they're like, let's say two rows first team or we're going to be an even show. That, now, this is the hardest thing about peaking is the timing. <laughs> that is no doubt the hardest thing because when you've got the show day variability, like some people can be two hours later than you think they're on stage. So again, testing. Um, you know, if you've got a predicted stage time the previous week, that's when you want to test when you're going to pull the sodium, when you're going to pull the water. That's the main thing. And then you can kind of see the next day where they're looking the best. Um, and then if something's running late, we've also then got the ability to put a bit of sodium back in, put some carbs back in, put a bit of water back in. 
because if someone's ten, like starting to flatten off or fade really bad, um, you know, at least we can then start to fill them up um, with adding sodium back in. So, for example, if, if sodium and water are pulled out on show day morning to continue them drying out um, and then we're running late, you can look at someone, you know, are they starting to fade? Like I said, right, let's get some sodium back in, let's get some cars back in, let's put some water back in. Um, that's usually the approach I would take there if, if something's running behind. And then if, if it's a morning show, it, that'll just mean like pulling water, sodium around, you know, midday, the day before. Yeah. Sodium, sodium comes out first and water comes out second, like three or four hours later. Um, that will then just be pushed back to the evening if it's an evening show the next day. So I know you mentioned like sodium and water manipulation. Would you... Do you condone the use of diuretics? What type of diuretics do you condone? Just natural ones. I've been using Peak Max for everyone. Uh, that does the trick. Just that manipulation of water and sodium, um, you know, using some caffeine, Peak Max, that does the trick. Yeah. I, you know, I think if you're trying to use diuretics, you've, you know, you're running the risk of something like some predictable. Um, and then if someone flattens off too much with diuretics, it's really hard to pull them back. Yeah. Hmm. So I, 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 as a rule of thumb, and I, I can't see myself ever using anything like aldactone, diazide with anybody. I just don't think there's a need to. Just be fucking ready, man. <laughs> be ready to practice. You, you, that's all you need to do. You just, it's just guesswork. It's that, it's that, um, that last minute panic. A lot of coaches they go, oh, they're panicking. But again, that's just because they've not prepped properly. That's fair. Do you, do you think that? Like I know a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on it's peak week. We're going to get that extra five, 10% of your physique. Like, do you really think that peak week like genuinely really has that much of an effect? Um, or do you think it's just like a minimal change is basically like just essentially landing the plane? Or do you think you can do drastic things in peak week? I don't think you can do drastic things. I think you can, you can, you know, chase an extra couple of percent with someone that's, that's really in shape. Mm. You know, you can bring that that really sharp, hard, dry, full look if you nail a peak. Because um, ultimately, if the, you, you know the difference between someone being on stage flat or a bit soft between mm. being fucking on. You know, it's, it's quite... Yeah. That, that, can, that can be the difference between two or three places, gen, genuinely. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've definitely been in that position. <laughs> I think the, um, the level of uh, benefit you can get from a peak week, peak week is probably proportional to like how fucked you are going into it. Like I remember from my first show this season, we were like running 90 minutes cardio for like 10 days straight on like protein sparing. And at three days out, I remember looking back on pictures only the other day, three days out, I still didn't look fucking like stage ready. But because we like slashed it so aggressively, like we didn't even carve up breath, we stayed on just proteins, but like you seen the detail come through. But that's what I'm saying, it's because we'd had to dig so hard towards that latter end, there is so much kind of like inflammation and so on. But again, if you're getting the work done nice and early and it's just ready early, the peak week isn't going to be that much. No, you're just, you're just trying to improve that couple percent. But that trying to improve that couple percent is also not worth, worth sacrificing 10% either. Yeah, it's a roll of the dice when you throw in like diuretics. Yeah, or just doing anything like if you don't, if you've not like practiced the out, 
practiced it before and you don't know the outcome, you, it's all guesswork in it. I mean, as long as you've got an understanding of what of how the body works in regards to you know manipulating sodium and water, you know, that's a good start. <laughs> Which I, I don't think a lot of people do. And and a great a great resource resource for that is Scott Stevenson's um the your own bodybuilding coach. He he breaks that down into like real layman's terms. It's so easy to understand. Um, so if you do want to look at like peaking and stuff like that, that that's um, a real good book. Uh, he was our last guest on this podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyone who hasn't listened, go back and listen to that. Yeah, well. Scott, Scott Stevenson. And then like, I've had uh, multiple calls with like Joe Jeffrey on peaking and stuff like that um, as well. Yeah. Sweet. Um when have you kind of seen like a peak go wrong? Like, have you seen it before with your own clients when like something was just kind of went under the radar um, or just in other people or even just what you've heard story-wise? So the main ones are when diuretics are being used, without a doubt. Um, you can just see on stage, someone just looks fucking mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, honestly, I've seen people a few days out and fuck. And I've seen him in person and gone like, something's gone wrong there. <laughs> Whether that's loading too hard, diuretics. Um, I think one of the biggest things for me coaching a lot of females is the menstrual cycle. Mm. Um, you know, the time, if a show lands at the wrong time of the menstrual cycle, that can impact things quite a lot. Because obviously, you know, when, when you're trying to put carbs in and then they're in like the late luteal phase where they're not really taking not as instant sensitive, you know, some girls can land on show day on cycle and obviously that affects um, the amount of water they're holding, um, the, the extension in the stomach and things like that. So that can have quite a big impact. And that's been quite a common thing this season, unfortunately. Well, for you? It has, but luckily it's not affected the places they've all done really well. <laughs> so, yeah. Um... But that's because they've been ready on time. Yeah. So it's not having too much of an impact. Is that a large proportion of like your competitive female cohort that like don't use uh, hormonal contraceptives? Yeah, the vast majority don't. Okay. Is that or is there a reason for it? It's not something I'll ever tell people to do because it's their choice. Obviously, the whole point of taking contraception is to avoid getting pregnant. It does a very good job at that. Um and for the most part, a lot of females that I've had on contraception, it's not really affected the prep at all. You know, it's not like person dependent. Some girls um, tolerate that really well. They don't have any issues with it. Other girls have that, that I've coached that have come off it and they've noticed drast, drastic improvements in the physique and how they feel, like anxiety and all that kind of stuff. They just feel tons better off it. Um, but some people find, feel fine on it. So it's something I leave to them as a personal choice. Do you know, I don't think I'm in anyone to say like, no, you need to come off that and blah blah blah. Yeah, for the most part, I've not seen it impact anyone's prep. You know, in terms of how well they can lose fat or anything like that. Yeah, no, it it shouldn't. Um, and that's something that like Lyle McDonald is often mentioned. I'm sure you've probably read or consulted with him. Um, but like at the end of the day, when it comes to females, this is pretty much what we said. Like we probably picked for on the podcast as well. It's like that's probably just something you have to deal with regardless, like your menstrual cycle. So. Like there's no point looking down like research rabbit holes, details, physiology, and like saying, Oh, well, I can't do this because X, Y, or Z. You know, I think it's more of a 
the psychological switch that a lot of females need to make. And like obviously the ones that make the the top end of the game do make that. Yeah. But yeah. You just gotta roll with it. Yeah. Play the character dealt. But yeah, a main thing as well is that you get people tracking the cycle as well. So we know what to expect. Like if they're due on around show day, um, you know, we might not throw as many carbs at them. We might just run like a more protein fat. Um, we might try to, you know, pull off more water around show day just to be on the safe side. Um, if they do notice, they get a lot of water retention around the cycle. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's nothing that's going to impact the physique too much if someone's ready. Again, I think the, the key thing that we're going over here back and forward is that be fucking ready. <laughs> that's the easiest thing. It is like you don't yeah. have to do a great deal. If someone's ready, they're ready. Do you know what I mean? I, I think in, in, the, in the most part, like it is quite a simple process if you just take your time. Yeah. Um, like from getting somebody from not not stage ready to, to fucking inside out peeled, like just taking your time with that process and just and manipulating your variables correctly will do vast more than trying to bunch it all together in the last couple of fucking weeks, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I I was gonna ask you a question of like, do you think you should compete fat? So it's just like there's been quite a few instances this year where people have <laughs> People have stepped on stage when it's kind of like they're not ready 100%, but it's required in order for you to go and do something like a, like a pro qualifier, for example, with two pros. So what are your opinions on somebody stepping on stage fat? Like, do you think that's something that you would allow? I, for, for me personally, I, I would say no, not a fucking chance. Well, I think first of all, you know, the clients are representing us. Yeah. So if I've seen people on stage well out of condition and I've not known their personal situation as in like, oh, I'm just going to do this region to get, to get on stage to do a pro qualifier later in the year. All I'm seeing is somebody out of shape on, on stage. Now I'm going to use their coach, right? Why are they let them do that? They're not in shape, blah, blah, blah. So I think context dependent there as well. As a real thumb nod, like I'll tell people, no, we're doing a late show. Um, and I, th- I think as a coach, like you should not be... Um, you should not avoid having that conversation because one, you want the client to feel good. You want them to look back at the stage, which is go, fuck yeah, I look decent there. Not go, oh my God, why did I get on stage looking like that? The second is they're representing you, you know, that they're your marketing, you know, they're what are going to attract clients to you. So, you know, you want to hold a high standard for yourself, for your clients. Um <clears throat> I've seen a few people just like literally taking the piss going, yeah, fuck it, I'm just going to get on stage dead fat and own it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Not mentioning any names, but I think it was funny. I like that. <laughs> um, which is cool. Like at least but if you're making like a bit of a joke of it and you're like, yeah, I'm doing this on purpose kind of thing, then fine. Um, yeah, what what I don't like and what I've seen quite a bit is a lot of people getting on stage, not quite there yet, and they're being rewarded for it. Yeah. Whereas other people are coming in fucking on and they're not being rewarded for it. That I don't like because that that kind of encourages people to half arse these shows. Yeah. Half arse a prep. Like even the whole regional thing for me, like if you're not in shape and even if you look good but you're not on, you know, that should not be being rewarded in my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're looking a few weeks out and someone's coming in on point and you know, and they're not far off in terms of Fitting the fit in the category and all that kind of shit. 
then that shouldn't be being reward, rewarded. No. I don't think. Because he's lazy bodybuilding, man, and I fucking yeah. hate lazy bodybuilding. I hate it with a passion. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with it there. I think it kind of like creates the premise of like, oh, I can be like 70% and then I'll brisk bring in. And it's just like, nah, in my opinion, like you, if you want to be a pro, you're going for the pro qualifier, right? Act like a fucking pro. You're not yeah. going to turn up at a pro show and be like, I'll be 70% on this one and then I'll yeah. try, try to get to the Olympia on 100% on the next one. It's like, nah, you're just being disrespectful to yourself, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. Yeah. I, I, you know, in most other sports. And if you did, you'd see them getting fucking slated for it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. You can't keep showing up on game day being 70%. You get fucking benched. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, was there something else I was to say? Yeah, I had something else called. Well, last question. Um, how would you just describe the perfect prep? if you're going to describe it? The perfect prep. So I've had a few really good, like some, what I would call perfect with clients this this, this season, where, the, you know, the clients that have been with for, for, for throughout their off season and even prior prep. So we've got a lot of data to go off. We know, we know um, what we need to do to land perfectly. Um, but I think a lot of preps, I think, are affected by, variables we can't control as coaches so lifestyle factors with clients their levels of stress whether that's work relationships um illnesses um you know all that kind of shit we have no control over which has a massive impact on prep someone's general stress levels um you know if they're chronically stressed from what for whatever reason um they're the things that we can't control and we just have to manage and along the way so a perfect prep would be someone that's just not got any of them external factors. Like, and again, pro bodybuilders, that's all they do. The bodybuilders know the shit that gets in the way. As amateur bodybuilders, that's really hard because we've got to, most people have normal lives. They've got to go to work. They've got to deal with families. Um, so if we can get, if, if I have a client that's just got no, you know, distractions elsewhere and they're just fully focused on prep or they're able to fully focus on prep, then, you know, it's perfect because, everything else then is on me to make sure it's perfect I think that's something that you can actually kind of nearly construct in someone like to an extent obviously if they have a lot of shit going on they have to deal with that but like you were saying earlier about like being a little bit more aggressive with your fat loss using cardio out of the gate it's probably a good way to like psychologically set the tone for that prep it's not like they're going up through the gears on the first eight weeks during like third gear you know what I mean it's like but if you can Get through this. Excuse me. We have cardio in like nice and early. We're pushing hard. They're probably going to be a little bit more bought into the process, nice and early. You know what I mean? And then when they're seeing that reward, they're seeing the progression. It gets easier to continue to invest into that. So it is a kind of cyclical pattern of like motivation, effort, reward, and just goes in a cycle like that. Definitely, I think it's it's good from a, like a buy-in perspective at the start, prep pushing hard. Um, whereas if you're tickling away, pulling 200 calories a week. You're not really seeing much visual change. The client's like, mm, nothing's really happening here, but in their head, they're still pushing as hard. They're still trying as hard. They're still following the plan, seeing little rewards. So I think, like you said, if you get pushing at the start, hard at the start, they're seeing them scales drop. They're seeing the visual changes. They're like, they're really bought in. They're like, fuck yeah, this is working. I'm going to keep going with this. 
um, that's always a good thing as well. A lot of prep psychological, a lot, do you know what I mean? A lot of prep is psychological. Um, people can be their own worst enemies. You know, they'll beat themselves before any prep beats them, do you know what I mean? True. I think that's a perfect way to end it. Mm. Anything else you want to say? Wrap up here. Right. Josh, we'll put your Instagram um, all the links and shit in the description. And uh, I'll share this on Instagram today. I'll get it up. Well, thanks for coming, mate. Thanks for your time. Oh, my pleasure. Really appreciate it, bud. Thanks for listening, guys. All the best. <laughs>